Well, my wife and I, this is my wife, Jen. My name's Lucas. <laughs> We're going to preach a message yeah. on marriage yeah. today. Actually, the title of the message is Marriage of Your Dreams. I can't believe it, but we met 20 years ago yeah. this fall. Yeah. We met 20 years ago this fall. We'll be married 15 years yeah. this summer. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe it. Three kids, a couple dogs. <laughs> Not all of them alive anymore, but we've gone through it, and we've seen a lot, and we've experienced a lot, and we are still in love. Sometimes you think about, how, how are we still in love? What are we doing right? Well, I don't know. <laughs> and I don't, it's hard to say sometimes, you know? But uh, it's kind of like, uh, I don't remember getting potty trained, but I know I am. It's like I don't know how I feel about that. It's just it's perfect. <laughs> that analogy. It's a perfect. Potty training's messy. It's, and it is gross. Man. And there's lots of accidents. It's me- yep. Let's it sounds think like, of a better it analogy. Like marriage. Maybe next time. Messy we'll accidents. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going right. to share a little bit of our story, how we met, and um, it's from my point of view. So she'll so correct I'll be, me. I will be chiming in with the correct details because isn't that how it is his version of how we met who said i love you first very different from the truth or i mean it's how i how i perceived it it's how i lived it it's how i experienced it and so uh this is how it goes i was a uh young strapping strong college student and she can correct me as i go I'll, i'll let you have that she lets me have it six foot tall Muscles. No correction. No correction, folks. It's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm being nice today. (laughs) I was playing football on college campus, and she was walking by with some of her friends, and she saw a man. You know, I got to chime in here. Oh, come on. No, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toot your horn a little bit because this really was, I remember walking across campus and I was actually going to your intramural football game because isn't God awesome how he does this? Luke's RA or resident advisor who oversaw him and the guys that he was living in the same hallway with was my now brother-in-law. So it was my sister's boyfriend at the time. So I was going to your football game to support my sister's boyfriend at the time, but I was walking to that field and I remember spotting you from across the way. You're throwing that football and playing catch, warming up. And I remember just going, I I noticed you. And, And I'm not one to like to... Uh, you get gaga. I, I, w- I would say, I mean, I think I was hesitant to admit this initially, but I think it was love at first sight. I mm-hmm. just saw you and I was like, oh. Told you. <gasps> I, I told you. She saw a hunk of a man. <laughs> I told you. She couldn't resist. He, and, loves, he loves that part of the story. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know she was existed at this time. I didn't know. I didn't see her at the game. Yeah. I was focused on scoring touchdowns. Ripping flags, flag football. But uh, she saw me. She was interested in me. And as the school year went on, we did. I I remember, I don't know if it was the first time I met you, but I do remember I was actually um, going to a church service on a, was it a Friday night? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a Friday night church service. It was at church, a young adult service. 
Shout out young adults. You meet a great guy or great girl at church. Okay. I was going to a church service. She was trying to hunt me down. She was chasing after me. I didn't know this. She caught wind that I was going to be at this church that night. This is not true. (laughs) This is not true. She told her girlfriend, I've got to get to this church. No. Go ahead, though. Keep going. Okay. And I was hanging out at the church doing my thing. I actually didn't know many people at college at, at this time. And um, so I was kind of actually running around a little bit by myself. But I did know a few people just by going to some classes. And I, I was doing something by myself. I felt a little tap on my shoulder. And I turned around. And it was a girl that I knew from class. Her name was Melissa. And you were standing with Melissa. And, hi, Lucas. How you doing? This is Jen. So this is my side of the story. I'm, I'm so there I'm getting this, set up a little bit Yes, here. I'm there at this young adult event, and I'm with my friend Melissa, Melissa Soxtill, whose dad is the pastor down there uh, in the south. And so um, I say, hey, Melissa, do you see that guy over there? I was pointing to Luke. I said, oh, he's, he's really good looking. And I noticed him the other day at school. And she goes, oh, really? I know him. And then before I know it, she dragged. I was shy. I'm still kind of shy, but she dragged me over. And before I knew it, she was tapping on his shoulder. Luke, I want you to meet my friend, Jen. And I was horrified, but I just remember looking at you and you had the biggest smile on your face, smiling at me. And if I wasn't already smitten all the more, I was just like, oh my gosh, now I really like you. (laughs) I wish she still liked me like this, folks. (laughs) Now it's, you know, get your own sandwich. Um, <laughs> isn't marriage funny how it all begins how it all starts and so this is my side I this was the first time that I saw you and of course you know I thought you're you were you were just a blonde haired tan southern girl with that southern accent and chatted with you a little bit there and you caught my eye and, and I was very much attracted to you right from the very beginning um, and uh, that's kind of the story how we met and then about a year after that we started slowly dating and uh, and um, then as we were dating I wanted to get more serious and you said no <laughs> so we broke up yeah. we broke up every every good relationship has a good breakup story right where you you know, one of you wants to get more serious. The other one says, let's put on the brakes a little bit. So we had one of those moments in our dating relationship in college. But you know what? We we took a break for a little bit. And then it's like you don't realize how good you got it until it's gone, right? And so we had separated right before Christmas break. And I remember you were home and I was missing you. And I realized, man, I really had a great uh, relationship with a great man of God. And so I came I came kind of nudging back to you. You did. You call, she <laughs> called me. Yeah. We were broken up, and she called me. Yeah. Who likes that? Uh-huh. And, uh, you know. God must have been doing something, right? He was, he was fighting for us. <laughs> he was. She called me, and she says, you want to go sledding? I got a really small sled for us. <laughs> That's okay, my sled it, joke. When we were in college, this was awesome. We had this huge hill in the backside of our university, and this is where we'd go sledding. And what we would do is we would take cafeteria trays, and they were all slicked and they smoothed down. They were, like, down. super like, shiny and They smooth. had this, like, finish on them, and so we'd get our bodies on these, these cafeteria trays, and we'd go flying down that hill, and we'd build ramps and yep. fly off. It was awesome. She so, invited me sledding, and she only brought we, one cafeteria tray. 
<laughs> Did we both? Fit? I think I sat on top of you as we went down. <laughs> and and yeah, uh, it, so that's where we started, and we ne- we've we've never left each other since yeah. that sliding adventure. And um, we're we've been happily married now. It'll be fifteen years this summer. But you know, each of us has a story. How we've met, how how we dated, got engaged, our wedding day, our marriage so far. And I hope it's been the marriage of your dreams. But if not, I believe it can be. It really can be. You know, 15 years in a marriage, I know there's many of you out there, you've been married, you know, twice as long. You've got grandchildren, and you could teach us so much about what it means to have a long-lasting, healthy marriage. But, you know, I think if we're honest with each other, as we, we talk about the beginning and how we were gaga over each other, you know, as the longer we're together and as we experience life together, we can go through some rough patches, can't we? We can go through some challenges in our marriage. We can feel really the, the attack of the enemy on our marriage, uh, where we just go through those seasons where it's, it's hard to feel connected and maybe we, we don't feel as close as we once did. Or, you know, you may find yourself where, uh, you're surrounded by people that, that you, you went to their wedding and you stood by their side when they said yes to their spouse and you've seen, seen their marriage end in divorce or you see divorce happening around you. Or maybe you think about, you know, growing up, young people, if you had um, a parent, you know, t- parents in the home or you or a child of divorce and you saw just the rockiness of that marriage where you think, you know, the marriage of your dreams, I've never really seen that lived out. I'm not seeing that around me or, you know, it can even happen where you have a, someone that you look up to, and this has happened with, with us in the ministry, you know, where we've seen, um, you know, amazing ministry leaders or pastors, and they seem to have a great marriage, but then over time, you know, sin, sin gets in there, something happens, and their marriage can fail, and so you think, really, the marriage of your dreams, it just seems so difficult these days. It just seems like with the pressures of life, and, and what happens, it's so difficult to really say, yes, I have the marriage of your dreams. But the reason we're talking about that today is because it is possible. It's a hundred percent possible. You know, so often we hear statistics. Well, you know, I, I hear that, you know, it's, it's 50% divorce rate or whatever it might be. But you know, when we do it God's way, it's a hundred percent safe, foolproof. Do you believe that today? When we look at scripture, when we look at how God laid out his design and his heart and his intention for us as a wife and as a husband, how to treat each other, how to honor him and put the Lord first, there is a hundred percent success rate. And so really what we want to do today, and I've just been praying this, Lord, would you just release hope today? Hope for the marriages that you may be in a rocky season or going through a rough patch where, man, I'd love to have the marriage of my dreams. I'm just not seeing it happen. Or for young people where you think, I'm nervous about marriage. I'm afraid to make that commitment because I just haven't seen it done well. Let there be hope today because when we do it God's way, there is a hundred, hundred percent foolproof. And the reason that we can have that hundred percent success rate is because God made marriage. (laughs) God's the one who designed marriage. And you know what? God made you and God made you for marriage. And so the Lord knows what he's doing. Everything that he makes is good. And so when we do it God's way, we can have the marriage of our dreams. When I went to college, I was given a roommate and the roommate and I sat down. We didn't even know who each other were. He was Nate. His name was Nate and he was from Nebraska. 
And, uh, and we, we sat down, and he had moved in before I did, so he had already picked out the best bed, desk, closet, drawer, everything. So I walked in and immediately like, oh no, you know, bummer. But we had to sit down together and put out some kind of a a contract to, to be better, to be good roommates. Literally weird, strange conversations like, when do you go to bed? How do you like to unwind at the end of the night? Uh, Do you snore? Do you, do you want a nightlight on? at night when you sleep. And I remember going over these things with, with, the, with the roommate and finding out that we were not compatible. <laughs> we just weren't. He, uh, I, I liked sleeping in, in real dark rooms like, like a normal human. <laughs> and uh, he, he had this computer that he brought to campus. He had built it. It was like a desktop computer, but it was for gaming. And it was uh, uh, like all clear clear uh, plastic, whatever thing, and everything on the inside of this computer was glowing and spinning. And at night, the room glowed like I was at a dance party. <laughs> Pinks and blues and spins and, and, and everything was dancing around. It was a strobe light of fun. And he had this thing, and for like the first week, I just didn't sleep. And I remember then eventually saying, this isn't working. Things aren't, you know, we had to figure things out. And I want to let you know right now that having a roommate is not the same as getting married. When you got a roommate, you, you got to work out a contract, and it's about this thick. Huh? Huh? Maybe some of your marriages are like this. It, it's, a, it's a contract of do's and don'ts, touches, no touches, pick up this, do that. Ah, uh, 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 you know, first, you know, section 44, 48B, 7 slash Z. You know, you, you didn't make the bed. You were last to get out. Huh? Huh? And, and, and it's, it's turned into this contract where it's just not working very well. And, and I had a roommate. I had many roommates when I was in college. I had, as the years went on throughout college, I had many roommates. So they were all guys. Yeah. But it's not the same as being married. Yeah. Marriage is not a contract with the rules. What do we say it is? We all know the answer. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. It, it covers the wrongs. It covers sins. I, I heard a wonderful message on marriage one time. Just put this at the edge so they can see the thickness. Where the, the pastor says, marriage doesn't make you happy. Marriage makes you holy. I remember when I was finally getting married, someone was watching me 24 hours a day. I couldn't get away with nothing. You can't get away with nothing. You can't say nothing wrong. You can't do nothing wrong. You can't make a single mistake. And then you do, somebody's there saying, uh-uh, we don't use words like that in our house. Oh, shut up. You know? Uh-uh, we don't, I, I don't like it when you reacted like that. You got too loud. I like being loud. No, no, we don't, you know, can you pick up this? Can you do that? Can you make sure at the end of the weekend that things are like this and this house looks like that? And all of a sudden, we find ourselves 
with a pretty thick contract, and it gets thicker as the years go on. This is only 15 years right here. I wonder what this could look like at 30. But if we're not careful, it becomes this, like a roommate, just a contract. And if you don't live up to your end of the deal, I might leave you. And I remember with my roommate, he had that desktop computer. And finally, after about a week, I just said, hey, maybe at night you could turn your computer off. And his response to that was, no, I don't want to. Okay, why not? Well, it it reboots at night. I'm downloading things. I'm downloading new games as we sleep. I got things happening. I got a whole character that's in a universe, and and he is is gathering up gems as I sleep. Okay? Maybe we can put a towel over it, a thick black bath towel over it at night. Is that okay? Believe it or not, that was a problem too. Because the fan spins and cools it down. And if we put the towel over it, it's, it's going to overheat. We got a problem on our hands, folks. But, but we worked something out. But eventually what happens is, is that that roommate could turn into a contract of do's and don'ts. But what we want to happen is to get rid of <laughs> the contract and start to fall in love again. Start to fall really in love again. And, and love covers mistakes and sins and doesn't point everything out. Go ahead. Yeah, we, I'm, just as my husband was saying that, you know, I think there can be opportunity over the years for these pages to start to build up where um, when we aren't yielding, honestly, our heart to the Lord and we're not being tender before him and we kind of can get some, we can get a hard heart or sour in some areas where we just begin to be get, we can get unhappy or restless or frustrated and really we take that out on our spouse. Where just as my husband is saying, you know, the Lord did not design marriage to be a contract, but he designed it to be a covenant. You know, Jacob in the Bible he fell in love with Rachel and was willing to work for seven years. And it says that he was so in love with her that those seven years went by really quickly. And then what happened is that his father-in-law, his father-in-law deceived the deceiver, Jacob, and threw in Leah there at the, at the, la- at the last moment. And he stayed married to Leah. But Leah's relationship was, I would call that a contract. But his relationship with Rachel that was covenant. And that would be the difference between contract and covenant. So let's talk about what this covenant relationship is. Really, it's a totally opposite of the contract where it's sacrificial. I don't go in with my rights and my preferences and my do's and don'ts, but I go in and say, I'm in this for the long haul. I love you, and I'm ready to lay my life down, and I'm ready to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much opposite is that than what the world tells us? The world tells us to protect yourself. The world tells us, don't get in my way. The world tells us it's, I'm number one. But when God says, no, I want you to have the marriage of your dreams, and it looks like a covenant, I'm not number one. First of all, the Lord's number one. 
And then I prefer my spouse above myself. And that's easier said than done, isn't it? Living that and walking that out every single day, that takes dying to self. That takes surrendering and giving up my rights. That means taking responsibility for my stuff. And when we think about a covenant, really what we can do is we look at Christ's example. When he came to this earth to bring a new covenant, how did he come? He came as a servant. He came to serve and not be served. He came to freely give his life. Does that describe your marriage? You know, if someone were to, you know, be a fly on the wall in your house for a day, would they say, wow, I see spouses serving one another, preferring one another, laying their lives down for each other? Or do they see something more like this? where there's rules and regulations and expectation and there's tension if you don't hold up your end of the deal? Or is there a laying down of your life? Is there a taking responsibility of your stuff? You know, I think about on our wedding day, just as my husband said this this summer, we're thinking, wow, 15 years. And so oftentimes I like to pull out old wedding pictures and maybe even our wedding video and It's so cheesy. It's awesome. It's great. Man, wedding photography is so different now than it was. (laughs) All these like natural outside pictures. Ours were like, ding, you know, everything's so, so posed. And anyways, I, I remember that, that moment of my dad, my, you know, my arm was in his arm and we're about to walk down the aisle and just all the emotions, the excitement, the nerves, the anticipation of about to walk down the aisle as a bride and marry this man that I've fallen in love with. And God has just knit our hearts together. And I remember turning and walking down the aisle and looking at Luke. And as I began to walk towards him, I just remember he had tears coming down his face and just this beautiful moment of we've waited. We were pure we had been apart for the whole over a year engagement. And so to finally become husband and wife was just, it, it was just such an amazing day for us. And of course, we know part of a wedding ceremony is the part where you say the vows, right? I remember turning to each other and the, the part of our wedding ceremony where you say, you know, I, Jen, take you, Lucas, to be my lawfully wedded husband, to have and to hold. And we begin to go into those for better or for for richer or for or. in sickness and in health. I gave you the good one at the end. But we, we go through those vows, and it's not really about the richer, right? We're in it for the richer. We're in it for the better. <laughs> We're in it for the health. That's easy. But it be, really becomes that covenant relationship when you go through those poorer times, when you go through those worse days. When you go through those periods of sickness or where your health is failing you and you have to lay your life down to care for each other, where you have to sit at that kitchen table and you got to look at your finances together and say, how are we going to get through this together? You're not the problem. I'm going to take responsibility. Let's fix this together. And, you know, we heard a teaching recently from John Maxwell. He talked about when he does weddings and he goes through the vows with the married couple He'll lead them through it, and then he pauses, and he looks at them. He says, you know, it was for the bad stuff, right? <laughs> you, said those, you said those vows. The good stuff is great, but for the bad stuff, you need to understand that you're making a lifetime commitment. There will be the good, and there will be the difficult, but to have a resolve as a couple of, if we're going to have the marriage of our dreams, we're going to fight for this. We're going to fight for this covenant, even when we go through difficult times. 
In our culture, contract, it's superficial. It's about protecting our rights and limiting our responsibilities. But when we look at Romans 12, 2, Romans 12, 2 warns us, you know, don't, don't look at the world to tell you what marriage should look like. Because Romans 12, 2 says this, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. The world does contracts. The world says, look out for self, right? But let God transform you transform your marriage into a new person by changing the way you think. Change the way you think about it. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The world tells us, or the word of God tells us that marriage is a covenant. The world says, what can they do for me? The world says, don't get in the way of my plans for my life. The world says, don't lay down your rights. The world says, you make me happy. The world says, don't get hurt. But when we look at the word of God and we consider the covenant that God wants us to have, Jesus showed us what covenant is. Lay down your life. The word says, be humble. (laughs) The word says, repent. The word says, take responsibility. The word of God says, do it his way. And it's such an amazing covenant that Jesus walked out and lived for us. You know, I think about Hebrews 13, 5, where he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And to have that same heart in a covenant marriage of I'm not going anywhere. It's going to be hard, but I'm not going anywhere because I believe that God has destined us and has a purpose for our marriage, for our family, and it's worth fighting for. When we choose covenant over contract, we can have the marriage of our dreams because we're choosing to do it God's way. So when it comes to being married, and if you're going to stay with it for the long haul, you're going to have to forgive each other. (laughs) At some point and someday, sometime, you're going to have to say, I've really done something dumb here. (laughs) Don't please... Don't hold it against me. Don't leave me. You've got, please forgive me. Stay with me. And, and that, I believe, is a critical moment for every marriage where forgiveness must be extended. Yeah. And if forgiveness is extended, the marriage becomes stronger. Yeah. So we're afraid, though, to, to say, this is what I've done wrong. This is where I've made a big mistake here. I'm so sorry. I, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what I was thinking. I just, ah. But this is where things went wrong. And we're afraid to get to that moment to say those words. We all are. We're afraid of losing respect. We're afraid of, uh, of, of creating a, a wall of separation between our spouse. We're afraid of it's going to affect communication. It's going to get awkward. She, she or he's just not going to trust me maybe when I'm alone or with the money anymore or with the kids for a while. Yeah, will it take some time to maybe build up trust? Probably. It will. But if there really is forgiveness extended, then the marriage is actually restored and stronger than before that moment. And that can happen so much more easily with the grace of God. Amen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's times where people, you may have been hurt by somebody or a situation that happened and you think, I just can't forgive. You're right. <laughs> you need God's help. Yeah. 
you need God's help and it's a decision and it's by his grace. And oftentimes I just stop and think, Lord, how much have you forgiven me of? How gracious and how loving and how patient and how generous you are with me. And as I receive forgiveness and a washing and a cleansing and a freedom from the Lord, then I can better extend that to my spouse. God, you've forgiven me so much. So Lord, I can freely forgive. And that really goes even outside of the walls of marriage. Any offense from anybody, Lord, you have greatly forgiven and washed me and freed me of things. Lord, I can freely let go of things because you've been so good to me. When we get married, we all of us have every intention of being married and having a wonderful marriage. The marriage of our dreams. Every single one of us when we get married, they all start like that. And, and as time goes on, it can go from a dream to a nightmare. And that's because we don't trust Jesus in our marriage to meet, actually meet our greatest needs. And I believe that there are things that only Jesus should take care of and that the spouse, it's not the spouse's responsibility or job to meet certain needs for us, needs like actually acceptance, believe it or not. And that might even sound strange. But the truth and the reality is, is that if you don't fully feel accepted by Jesus, not a single person is ever going to be able to give that to you. Full acceptance. Things like your identity. Really, truly who you are. They're not going to complete you. Getting married doesn't complete you. Only Jesus does. Even security. You know why? Because people leave and strip you and and, and make you feel vulnerable and, and weak and all of a sudden you're insecure and you feel really lost. Well, only one person will never leave you nor forsake you. That's Jesus. And only Jesus can give you a real purpose. I mean, I love being married. It's wonderful. But this relationship is not designed to last forever. It's not. It's gonna, it, when, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be married in heaven. We're going to be married to Jesus. He's going to be our one and only. Will we know each other? Yes. Will we be together? Oh, yeah, you better believe it. But we're not going to have a marriage relationship in heaven. We're going to have a relationship in heaven, but not a marriage relationship in heaven. So there's only one person that can really truly meet your need of acceptance, identity, security, and give you a total purpose that will not just last from beginning to end in this life, but in the next life too. And that's Jesus. And sometimes we get a, become a, have a nightmare. We become a nightmare for, for our marriage and in our, in our marriage because we shove these really four important things on the person laying next to us at night. We get mad at them. Because they didn't say the right words to make us feel good on the inside. They didn't give us acceptance. They didn't speak into our identity. They didn't give us security. They didn't give us purpose because only Jesus can do those things. I've been alive long enough to know people let you down. They will always let you down. Invest in it. It's a guarantee. 100% return on your money. People will let you down. You're not everybody's going to accept you. Not everybody's going to believe in you. Not everybody's going to love you. Not everybody's going to be there for you all the time. 
And people leave, but only Jesus is always, always, always there. Your identity. I love being married to Jen. I like being her husband. I like being her friend. But it's not my identity. I'm more, in my mind, a child of God than a husband to Jen. And I think that helps keep your marriage a dream. A dream. I spend time with Jesus like I spend time with her. Sometimes I spend more time with Jesus than I spend with her. Sometimes we're sitting on the couch together and I say, I got to go. I got to go on a prayer walk. I got to go spend time with Jesus. I leave her to spend time with my forever relationship. That's healthy because I'm a better husband if I've spent time with Jesus. If I go get my, get my acceptance and my identity from Jesus, I hear him speak over me. When I come back into that house, I'm a much better husband. I'm not needy for her to fulfill those things that only Jesus can do. And sometimes we fall into some of these traps. Psalm 139 verse 13 says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Jesus knows you best. Jesus wants to give you acceptance, identity. Not anybody else or anything else should be offering that to you. You know, another deep need that can really only be met in Christ is that need for security. You know, there's a certain level of security that your spouse should offer you. You should be able to trust each other. That security grows the longer you've been together. You know, I think about this, the house that we're in right now, we've been in in this house for about two and a half years. And when we first walked through the house, we were really excited because we noticed that this house had a security system that our last house didn't have. It had the ring system. And one of the things that first caught our eye that we thought, oh man, this is going to be wonderful, is on every single door, like outside door of our house, there was um, a little tab that was put on it where it would beep. Any door that gets open, you hear beep, beep, beep. And all the different beeps are actually synchronized, like the front door has its own beep, the back door. And with our children, who really are oldest, she likes to kind of come and go and she gets ideas. It's really great. It's a great safety feature, security feature for our home because, oh, Charlotte went out the garage. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go check on her. Our other house, you know, she'd kind of be a ninja and sneak out before we knew what was going on. But so this was a security feature. We thought, well, this is great. This is, you know, a great part of this new house. And not only did it have the, the beeps on the doors, but the, the longer we lived there, my, my husband, you know, there was the little cameras, but it, he couldn't figure out the cameras right away. It kind of took some extra research and effort on his part. And, you know, months into living in the house, he was finally able to activate the cameras and now synchronized to our phone. And so not only now do I've got beeps on the doors, people coming and going, but hey, I get a notification if there's someone at the front door or or if one of the kids did run out the back, oh, I can see, oh, they're just going and playing on the playset. And not only that, but he even figured out how to synchronize it to Alexa, where Alexa tells me that someone's at the front door, da, 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 da. And so the longer we've lived at this house, man, the more I feel secure. And it's kind of the same in a marriage relationship. The longer we're together, you know, I just feel like, and I'm sure you've said this before, I just feel like I can be myself with you. You just make me feel secure. 
But even with this ring system we have at our house, there's limits to it. Those cameras only go so far. I still need to lock the doors at night. Or you, 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 yeah, you check the doors for us at night. There's, there's, shut the garage door. There's only so much that that security system can offer. There's only so much security that really a spouse can offer you. And so again, this deep need for security, to feel safe, to feel accepted, to be loved, it has to be met in Jesus. It has to be met in Jesus. And let me read a few scriptures to you to just encourage you with this. Psalm 3.3, thou, O Lord, you're a shield around me. God's my shield. I'm so thankful for my spouse, but it's the Lord who's my protector. He protects my mind. He protects my heart. He protects my children. He protects my home. He protects my future. He protects my coming and my going. The Lord is the one who is my shield. Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower or a strong fortress. The righteous run to it and are safe. God, you're my safe place. When I've had a rough day... You know, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you may go to that person that you think will make you feel better. If you've had a rough day, it could be your spouse or a family member or a trusted friend, and they can only do so much because you know what? They're not designed to meet that deepest need. The The Lord's intention is to meet that deepest need. So when you've had a rough day, when you're going through a difficult season, There's people that can bring comfort and a certain level of security, but it's really only going to be found in the Lord. 2 Samuel 22, it goes through and just gives a description of the Lord. Oh, Lord, you're my rock, my fortress, my savior. You are the one who is my God, my protection. With you, I'm safe. You protect me like a shield. You defend me. You keep me safe. The Lord is the one who is our security. And you might need to hear that today. Maybe you're not necessarily even a person, but your security comes from your job and what you do. Your security is found in what that number is, is in your bank account. Your security comes from things going the way that you've expected them to go or things being under your control or your plan. Your security cannot be in those things. We need it to come from Jesus. Amen? And this fourth thing, acceptance, identity, security, and my purpose. You know, this morning as pastor opened up the altar, just to come forward, you know, to pray for those that may be sick, I just felt led of the Lord to come forward. There's some people in my life, some family, some dear friends that are really battling with some illness right now and just wanted to come and pray for them at the altar. And I just love that song that the worship team was leading us in. Your love brings me to my knees. And as I was just standing in the presence of the Lord, the Lord just began to minister to my heart. Even though I was up there praying for something else and laying it before the Lord, I just felt the Lord remind me of when Jesus was baptized and he said, this is my son and who I'm well pleased. And I just felt the Lord speak that over me. You're my daughter in you. I'm well pleased. My purpose My identity, my acceptance, my security comes in. Just as my husband said, he's a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. The Lord is pleased. I want to please the Lord. I want to honor my husband and be a blessing and please him. But ultimately, my purpose is found in the Lord. Amen? My identity is found in the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11, again, for I know the plans I have for you. 
declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You know, pastor has said this before, and I love it. He says, when I am most satisfied in him, when I'm most satisfied in the Lord, that's when he's most glorified in me. If I want to know my purpose in life, I, I draw close to Jesus. I don't draw that from anybody else or anything else. And, you know, he even said this. I, I love this play on words that he shared with Pastor Tim, shared with us years ago. Do you remember when he said, no Jesus, no peace? The play on words with that, you know, N-O, like no Jesus, and you won't have any peace, right? No Jesus, no peace. But when we know Jesus, K-N-O-W, when I know Jesus, I know peace. You guys remember that when he talked about, or same thing, no, no Jesus, no joy. But if I know Jesus, I'll know joy. And it's the same with the Lord. No Jesus, no purpose. I don't know my purpose when I'm not, when I'm not seeking the Lord. I don't, I, it, life is aimless. I'm frustrated. There's tension. I'm restless when I don't know Jesus. I'm lost. I'm floundering. I, d- I don't have my identity. <laughs> I'm feeling insecure. I'm wrestling with that when I don't know him. But when we look to Jesus for these deepest needs, we can know our purpose. And as we talk about these four deep needs that we have, what happens when we don't look to the Lord for these deepest needs? There's something that happens that's called the principle of transference, where if I'm not getting these needs met in the Lord, the principle of transference is I'm going to look for it somewhere else, right? Just naturally. And so if I'm married, oftentimes I'm going to try to pull these things from my spouse. That's not fair. (laughs) That's not fair to put that on him. To make, to have my husband, you have to make me feel secure. You, you got to tell me my purpose. That's not fair. I've tried to tell her her purpose. <laughs> you bet. You want to know how that went? Watch you know? it. Watch it. You know, we. That's the thing. That's the <laughs> trick of the enemy. It, it actually, as a matter of fact, one of the curses that was placed upon Eve was that she would want to dominate her husband. But at the same time, she was put under her husband. And, and every single person in here actually will struggle with moments of, I just wish my husband uh, would speak all these amazing things over me and, and, and tell me all these amazing things. And then at the exact same time, you have another voice in your head that says, you're independent. You don't need him. And see the battle there? And that's the enemy in both sides of that coin is that we, we want our spouse to say, oh, come on, come on, speak to me. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And at the exact same moment, we have another side of us that says, you can't tell me what to do. So which one is it? And how am I supposed to fulfill that? And how am I supposed to guess which one of a mood you're in this day, this time, this hour, right? And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Only Jesus provides that information for you. And that's why marriages can struggle so much. And, and you want to have a, a, a nightmare of a marriage? Just go ahead and look to your spouse for purpose, identity, security, acceptance. Go ahead. It's not going to work for you. But you want to have the marriage of your dreams? Pursue Jesus. I, 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 I mentioned at the start of the message, and I'll bring this to a close here, is that I, I don't really know how we fell in love, but we are in love. And I didn't spend my days uh, uh, reading marriage books over the last 15 years. 
I didn't spend my days listening to messages on marriage by the wonderful preachers to learn how to fall in love. But I realize now what I did. I just pursued Jesus. And I became who he wanted me to be. And it just so happened to be the kind of person that she needs. And see, we overcomplicate it sometimes. But what you need to do is, is continue 2023 pursuing Jesus. Not looking to become something perfect for your spouse. No, just let Jesus speak over you, speak to you, deal with you, deal with you. That way then when you are already dealt with by God, you, you can have a much better relationship right here. I think about Adam and Eve, the first marriage. They were in paradise. Perfection, not a sickness, not a problem. They didn't even have kids. They had zero problems. But what did they do in the cool of the evening, it says? They walked and talked with God. What do they talk about? There's nothing, there's no problems. There's nothing to talk about except just to build a relationship with God. They did it, and they were in paradise. So what does that mean for me and you and for every single marriage and every single person in this room right now? Is we are not in paradise. We are in a cursed barren world. How much more? How much more do we need to set aside time in the cool of the evening to walk with God and get to know him and have him speak to us? Amen? Amen. We can clap for that. So this is how we want to close today's services. As a matter of fact, we we would love everyone to stand. Single, married, It's because, why? Because if you're single, you probably just either want to get married, you want to get married again, or really, truly, this message went well beyond just marriage. This was about how to have wonderful relationships with everybody in this room. And so we all should stand and say, well, God, I just, I look to you. I look to you. Some of my favorite people in the world are those that have been spending time with Jesus. They're just easy to connect with, easy to talk to, easy to relate to, easy to get close to. They seem so warm and welcoming and bright and smiley, pleasant. You want to be next to them. You want to know what their secret is. The chances are they don't really know what their secret is except that they just have spent some time with Jesus. So let's just take these last moments here. Let me pray for you. Let's just spend a little bit of time with Jesus. I'm going to have my wife pray for you, and then I'm going to pray too. So go ahead, Jen, pray for him. Father, we just stand in your presence today. And Lord, as the, the word has gone out, Lord God, and as we have just even looked at, oh Lord, the things that we can only find in you, acceptance and identity and security and purpose. God, we just say, Lord, forgive us for when we've looked to people or things to meet these deepest needs. 
And Jesus, today we say you are the one who defines and fills and satisfies me. Oh, Father God, would we become better spouses, better people, better men, better women as we draw and find that these needs are met in you alone. And so, Father, even as we stand in your presence, God, and as we've heard these words, search us, God. Show us, Lord, where have we been looking for security that's not you? Where have we been trying to pull our identity and pull our purpose from? Oh, God, have mercy on us. Lord, you have the way, the better way. You've come to give life and life abundantly. And so, Father, we just today commit ourselves to you. We want a relationship with you. We want to stay connected with you. God, we don't want to just talk about you. We want to talk to you. We want to hear from you. We want to know you, Jesus. Oh, Father, would our relationship with you be the thriving, living, passionate relationship that you want, Lord God? Oh, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that these deepest needs are met in you. And we say we love you, Jesus. Let's just stay in this moment of prayer because I want to offer uh, you now a chance to give your life to Jesus. I wonder if there is somebody in this room who says, I need a relationship with Jesus so that I can become exactly what you've been talking about, Pastor Luke and Jen. Who you are up there, what you're saying, that's what I need. And I need Jesus in my heart. I need Jesus in my life. I, 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 just, I need to become a believer today. So if you're in this room and you're saying, that, that's me, pray for me, why don't you just simply do this right now as we're standing with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Could you just lift up your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor Luke. I want to invite Jesus into my life. Pray for me. I want to invite Jesus into my life. Any hands today? Anybody today? Oh, Jesus, I pray right now that you just begin to send your Holy Spirit in this place. Lord God, I pray that that even tonight, as we lay our heads down, those of us in this room who might not be saved, might not really have a wonderful relationship with Jesus, I pray tonight, Jesus, you get them. You send your Holy Spirit into that room. You, you, you disturb them. <laughs> you don't let them fall asleep. And wake them. Keep them awake until they surrender their life to you. We pray for all these things and more. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Jen and I are preaching in the next service as well. But we have a brand new message for the 11 a.m. service today. It's going to be a fun message. It's going to be a funny message. It's going to be a really good message. As a matter of fact, as I was preaching this message, I kept wanting to say points to the next message, and I was holding myself back. And so we got a whole lot more to say in the 11 a.m. service, so you're invited to stick around to get a double portion today on marriage. It's, go- it's a marriage message, and it's going to be a blast. But you are officially dismissed. See you later, everybody.